morning bitches and welcome to wellness for real it's your girl marlena and on today's episode dr steph is back and she's here to answer the listeners questions i asked you guys on instagram what you wanted to know from dr steph about food and eating disorders and body image and all the stuff and she answered all of your questions and we talked about so much so I hope you guys really enjoy this episode a lot of great information in here make sure you're sharing with anybody who you think can benefit from hearing this information or any of our other previous episodes and if you haven't listened to our first episode with Dr. Stuff make sure you go back and listen to that as well we have her website linked in the description of this episode so make sure you also check that out Let's get it started. We have her back. Dr. Steph is here, guys. So excited to chat some more with you. Your episode resonated and helped so many of our listeners. Like I still get messages from people um, who have even gone back and revisited it. Some people kind of felt a certain way at first. Some people were a little Mm. upset about some of the things, but then Mm. once they Mm -hmm. sat with it and and Mm -hmm. went back and re-listened, a lot was learned. So we're excited to kind of dive deeper into some of these topics and some of this stuff. Um, But first, we just wanted to know a little bit more about you, Dr. Steph what do you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, how did you, how did you get into this? Like, how did you become an eating disorder specialist? What was the road that led you there? The road that led me here. So I always knew, like, whenever you start thinking about what you want to be when you're a little kid, I just knew I wanted to be a therapist. Of course, didn't know what that meant or what that looked like. It was just this, like, I have a lot of feelings and I care about everybody else's feelings. So I want to do things with feelings. Right. So um, I just knew psychology was the path for me. So, um, I didn't get that struggle of, you know, what am I going to do? It was always pretty clear, go to graduate school and get your master's degree because in order to be a licensed therapist, it is a a bachelor's and then a master's degree at least. Then we have to take like a test and, you know, do all those things. So I became licensed. Um, I went to graduate school up in Chicago. We were just chatting before we started recording this um, about living in the snow and um, the Midwest. So I lived in Chicago for a few years and I had the opportunity after grad school to start, help start the program Timberline Knowles. I don't know. um, It's a eating disorder program. And I just was really lucky, had the right professor, um, and they hired a bunch of us out of our program because, I should have said, my program is also very trauma-focused heavy. I have a heart for people who've experienced things that they shouldn't have experienced. Justice is a big thing for me always, and so um, that was my original plan was to work with trauma. Well, trauma and eating disorders and body stuff and appetite and food stuff are so intertwined that 
I was working with trauma at Timberline Knowles and also had the opportunity to learn so much about eating disorders and the treatment of eating disorders and got a lot of training from folks. My career brought me home to Texas because you can take the girl out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of the girl. The winters are too hard for me. I had to be in a place where we don't have snow um, and worked at just different places trying to get, you know, hours and experience. And all of that led me several years into my career. I burned out at some point because I was working very heavily with trauma and vicarious trauma, compassion, fatigue. Those are very real issues. I chose to deal with those things at that time in my life um, with exercise and dieting and this obsession with changing my body that turned into probably a decade's worth of eating disorder, um, orthorexia. And even though I had this like experience of Timberline Knowles, I didn't recognize it in myself until I went and got my certification to work with eating disorders. And that was to meet the need of my community, really. Um, so I think then take learning about eating disorders, my personal experience is why I do this work, why I speak about it so passionately. Um, there was a need, there was this heart desire. And then I happened to walk the slippery slope of what dieting and weight loss does to a person, um, ended up really disordered and sick and combined. I am <laughs> Stephanie Way, licensed professional counselor and now certified eating disorder specialist. Wow. That Amazing. is so fascinating. <laughs> wow. So you mentioned orthorexia. Can you mm -hmm. explain what that is? It is not in the DSM just yet. So the DSM, right, is like the Bible of mental health conditions, right? All the eating disorders are in there. Orthorexia is clinically, technically, um, other specified food or eating disorder, maybe atypical anorexia, but it is an obsession with healthy eating, right? Like so restrictive in your um, food because of just, yeah, like a fear or a high concern over eating non quote unquote health foods. Um, and also like just this kind of like obsession with maybe wellness, this obsession with, um, and, and when I say, I know people are really healthy and really into wellness. So this is where people start to get, I think, upset when we talk about this a little bit, but it, it, it tips over into, I can't go and enjoy interactions with people. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame when not following these really rigid rules that you have for the food that you eat and the way that you like move and take care of your body. Wow. So that kind of sounds like um, a good majority of the fitness industry, <laughs> if we're being honest, right? Like yeah. this obsession with um, health. And, you know, I when we actually asked our listeners for questions, so we do have lots mm -hmm. of questions for you. Um, but I have one of my own. And yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this um, and kind of ties in with all of this. Do you think it's possible for someone to be in a good place 
mentally and with their body and with food where they can do some of these like health challenges that I see people doing like whole 30 or like the 75 hard. I know that's a really popular one right now. Yeah. Um, like it, do you think that that's possible? I don't know. It's hard to say yes or no. It is. I, I've learned a lot since we last talked to and, and during the pandemic, just all this reading and, and, and I, I'm coming now from a more like compassionate place of, we're all just doing the best that we can. And so like, whatever makes you feel good, like do it. So I don't care, like eating disorders and disordered eating isn't so much about what you're eating or what you're not eating. It's more about that mental and that emotional uh, piece. If you can do those health challenges and I mean, I have a whole 30 cookbook that I use often in my kitchen because um, I'm not a great cook. I need help. And so these recipes are really good or my Pinterest board is full of, you know, they get you on the clickbait with uh, this kind of diet food, you know, <laughs> but it looks like a good recipe. So you're allowed to eat and do whatever makes you feel good. It's more about that guilt, that shame, that anxiety, that like, how are you treating yourself for following these rules or not following these rules around food? So like that self-awareness and kind of checking mm -hmm. in with yourself is like the really important piece is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I really value health exercise is really fun for me. I have a daily, you know, body movement practice or time. And, and I think it's okay to want to eat foods, right. That make you feel a certain way. It's, it's just live your life, be happy, be free. Like it's not about obsessing about the food and the weight, just, just eat and live your life. That's what I want for people. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I think we all want that for ourselves yes. too, right? <laughs> um, and I, when the rules get in there and this like desire, and I think when we're trying, when we're chasing this like intentional weight loss, this like, I got to do these things because I got to lose this weight or I want to look a certain way that takes the focus off of like what's best for me and, and my life. And I'm focusing on this like one little aspect of myself and forgetting about the really dynamic human that I am that can do a lot of different great things to manage my health and my body. Does that make sense? Right? Like it's not yeah. just eating and exercise. Right. We're dynamic beings. And so health is feeding all of ourselves. Yeah, totally. And that's why we try to talk about all sort of topics on wellness. this show. Yeah. Cause wellness mm -hmm. isn't just, our food and our exercise, right? Like that's such a tiny little piece of it. Mm -hmm. Just a tiny piece of it. Like food is as literal of a thing as like going to the bathroom. Like, it, it, you know, just we <laughs> pee many times a day um, and we don't feel any thoughts about it. Sometimes it's annoying, right? That I have to pee <laughs> so much, but you know, like it, I think food is kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, well, I gotta eat now. Like I'm just... It, yeah. It's I'd just, rather be living my life, not obsessing about food and my weight. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so someone asked, uh, what would be the most critical step you can take when trying to improve your relationship with food? Wow, a good question. The most critical step you can take. Learn to be kind to yourself because it's not about what you're eating. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just you showing up caring for yourself, right? And so I think if we can change the language from the shoulds and the must and the oughts and be more what's best for me right now? How can I show up for myself right now? How can I care for myself right now? That starts when that shame starts to improve. Um, food doesn't feel so icky. Being nice to yourself is very important. We talk about that a lot, like changing that inner dialogue, right? Like that, that inner mean girl or inner mean person <laughs> that we have inside of us. Or I like to, I like to call it my diet culture, bitch. Brains. Yeah. Like, like diet culture, bitch. I love Regina it. George, definitely yes. a Regina George type. It is. It's that inner, it is. It's like this kind of guilt monster. Do y'all watch big mouth, right? Like yeah. <laughs> the shame monster. Um, we want to find ways to tune out of that as much as we can. And um, being kind to ourselves is not easy. It is very hard. And I hate that that's my answer because I think they're asking like, what's one thing I can tangibly do? But maybe that's just recognizing how often you should yourself when it comes to food and, and your health or wellness practice. Shoulds are just shoulding on yourself. Like it's just a big pile of shame. And can you, instead of saying should, maybe it's changing that to, um, you know, what's best for me right now, or how can I care for myself right now? Someone else wanted to know if you could erase just one diet culture trend, what would it be? Oh, I like that question. Me too. <laughs> one like only diet one? culture trend. Okay. Okay. Here it is. Influencers sharing their shit and their what I eat in a day on social media. Like, can we just ha stop having people who are not qualified to give nutrition advice? Stop giving nutrition advice on the internet. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes I like those because you do kind of get ideas for like meals. And so I like when people share their food just in the sense that like, oh, that looks really yummy. Mm -hmm. I want to try that. But I totally get what you're saying. Someone pretty much saying this is what I eat. So this is what you should eat to get the same results that, that I'm getting. Right. Yeah. Like I want us to normalize food. And I think normalizing food is sharing that. Okay. I might've had a salad at lunch and now I'm eating a bag of Doritos and you know, I'm eating like, you know, all these cookies with it too right it's yeah. it's showing the that all food is okay all food is okay so that influencers food for the day is fine but if if it's like you want to look like me or you want to feel healthy like me or you want to be like me here's here's what I do well that's bad advice just stop sharing that shit please <laughs> right and I feel like with the what I eat in a days too like it's kind of curated right like 
they've planned what they're going to eat that yes. day so that it looks like it falls within certain parameters of a certain program or diet. Exactly. Um, but it's like, is that person really eating exactly like that all the time? No, of no. course not. No one's making an ball every morning and like, you know, like no one's doing that every day, a hundred percent. Right. And I think too, when you, you know, when I think about the body messages that sense too, like I, I think if they're, is, is that food culturally diverse? Is that a diverse body um, on the those things? Or I think it's we're all seeing the same type of person share the same type of food, suggesting this is the best way to live your life. And that message, I just want to see that like go away. Like, can we just have legitimate people um, sh- sharing food advice and people normalizing food and bodies on the internet? And I would say, Marlene, I, I love the fact that like the other day you showed like your grocery haul and there were mint, like you had those Oreo cookies and you got mm-hmm. yummy snacks, but then you also, here's my favorite salad kit. And here's my, like you show a mix of all kinds of food that nothing is off limits. Yeah. Cause that's real life. When I go to the right. grocery store, I buy <laughs> salad, but I also buy cookies and brownies. Right. Um, because I, one, I don't deprive myself of that, but I also don't deprive my family of that. And I see that a lot, um, Mm -hmm. when when people are dieting as they like, then they gut their entire house and they're like telling their kids they can't have sugar and and it's like, Oh man, you're really fucking those kids up. (laughs) I'm sorry. You are parents and I'm sorry, parents. Yeah. That's a soapbox kind of a moment too. Like your kids are really listening to the things that you say about food and, I have many, many clients on my caseload and it started with a parent eliminating a type of food group because of, you know, these types of, of things. All food is okay. Every single food, anything that you can put in your mouth that your body can turn into the necessary things, right, is okay. There's truly nothing wrong. Just eat but it's not yeah. that easy, unfortunately. Right. Well, and something I always get when I do share a grocery haul like that or share like something that I'm eating, like cookies or treats or whatever, um, you know, I always get at least one person who sends me a message that says, oh, I can't keep stuff like that at my house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you can. Yeah. That mindset <laughs> is why you think you can't. And I used to think that way too. So I'm not like shaming anyone because I totally used to think that way. Like, oh, I can't have Oreos mm-hmm. in my house because then I'm going to eat them all. Well, I right. practice changing that conversation in my brain and I can have Oreos and I like to have Oreos in my house um, and I don't binge on them because I know that it's like, they're going to be there. Like Oreos not going out of business. Like they're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, like, you're right. And, and that, but that work, that framework, shifting that narrative is a huge part of the work, right? Like it's, it's just an Oreo. Like it's at the end of the day, it's the same. It's just food product that we've made, turned into a cookie. Right. So, um, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the Oreo changing your mindset to say, listen, I can eat an Oreo whenever, like it's not, it, there's nothing wrong with this. You don't have to eat them all because you can return to it whenever you want. And also you can enjoy it because you can. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So someone asked, what are some good tips on finding a good therapist? And are there any red flags you should look for? 
when searching for a therapist? They ask good questions. Yes. Um, Listeners came through. (laughs) Yeah. So, wow. The therapist. Okay. So tips on finding a good therapist. You can start by Google therapist near me. There will be a website called psychology today that hat that most therapists are listed on. So that's a good place to start, right? It's just Google therapist near me. There's usually a directory or two that comes up, read their bios, look at their picture, visit their website and get a good feel of like, what's their message? What did I have like wonder woman stuff all over my website. It's very like comic booky and people are drawn to that sometimes. So if it's, feels like it speaks to you, send them a message. Um, You might need to ask them some questions. Like for real, I've had clients bring in um, a list of questions for the first time, like that you want to know about them and how they work with you. So you're allowed to interview them. Hopefully you can find a good fit in the first try. But I, people always say therapy doesn't work. And I think it, always works. We have decades and decades of research. I have personal experience. I have, you know, professional experience of it working. It's, is this person a good fit? Do we vibe? Do we, you know, does this feel like somebody that I can come in and talk to? And that may take a couple of tries, some red flags to look out for, especially like I'm thinking a lot of eating disorders, of course, because that's what I work with. If, you're sharing weight concerns and, and because it's hard to come out and say, I have an eating disorder, especially because there's this belief with an eating disorder that you're not sick enough. So you're rarely going to be sitting on that couch saying, I have anorexia, help me. It, it, it sometimes just comes out talking about food. And, and I think the, they're, I don't say testing the water, but you know, is this safe to talk about? Right. So if you're, you're suggesting your concerns about food and weight and that therapist misses it, if that therapist um, makes you feel like it's not that big of a deal or not that big of an issue, I would say they probably aren't informed. So we want to, you know, maybe look at somebody who is more informed. Um, Red flags are how much do they talk about themselves? Some self-disclosure is good. I'm a chatty therapist, um, obviously, because I'm chatting so much (laughs) right now. But, um, But how much are they like, how much are they talking about them and what's going on with them and less about you? Our job is to listen to you and to help you figure out yourself. We're not the expert. So if they're being real preachy and experty, that may not feel good to you either. Yeah, for sure. I always look at like finding a therapist. It's almost like online dating, honestly. It is. Like at it this can. point, like uh-huh. there's so much information out there. Like they have profiles and you can like read through, you know, what their mm-hmm. interests and hobbies and they might align with yours. Um, and and just, it feels like that for me too. Like, it feels like I'm trying to court people or <laughs> you know, that sounds creepy, but it does. It's like, you know, I'm trying to put my personality out there and trying to put my philosophy out there. And will that land 
with the right person. And then when they're coming in for the first time, I'm always a little bit like, are they going to like me? Is this going to, are they going to think I'm a weirdo? Like, you know, so we feel a lot of, at least I feel a lot of that. So I can't be the only therapist that feels that way. So the therapist feels a lot about what you're feeling that first couple of times too. Yeah, for sure. I was just going to say like your therapist is also a person with a life and feelings, <laughs> feelings. And, you know, and, yes. and problems and, you know, all that stuff too. So, um, so like, say you're in a therapy session and something happened, like, and it feels like a red flag to you, would you say it's best to first maybe talk to your therapist about that before just kind of like cutting them off? Or would you say just trust your intuition and just like move along? Oh, I'm going to always. And I know that's kind of like situational too. Yeah, sure. Trust your intuition always. I, the ghosting your therapist as a therapist, it really hurts our feelings. We care. Like I truly literally care about everybody that I, you know, have a working relationship with. Um, and I see them for so much more than who they see themselves as, right? I see them as the person that they are and they're, it, it, it's, can I get woo woo for a second? Of course. Y'all? So like studying, like, okay, so our heart is, is like a magnet, right? And that magnetic field goes out about six feet. And so my office space is only a few feet you know, a few feet by a few feet. And so sitting in that room, our heart, like magnetic fields cross with each other. So uh, there's that like moment, you know, it feels that way for me, for every client that I meet. And so when you just ghost us, it hurts our feelings (laughs) because we care, but, but I get it wrong, obviously. And I'm not a good fit for everyone. I, I know that I've, it happens still and that's okay. Um, an email is sometimes a nice way to say something. If you, you could clearly say something in the office too and be like, whoa, bitch, like <laughs> <laughs> you crazy, you crossed the line. Certainly people have, you know, talked to me that way. Um, so sometimes a therapist can change if it's a, like a if it's like a little thing, but if it's like a personality thing and you're feeling invalidated, you're feeling like they don't get you, they don't hear you. Okay. Go find another therapist. You need somebody who's going to see you. It's very important. Just like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't, I mean, hopefully you wouldn't stay in a relationship where you're not heard or validated. Um, So if you're feeling that way, you know, just send an email. That's the easy easy way to break that relationship. I think it's common that it sometimes takes a couple of you know, a few, it takes a few times to find the right person. I mean, I've met a couple of doozies in my time um, that just weren't a good fit. I mean, at Mm -hmm. all, like nice people, probably a good fit for someone else, but not a good fit for me. And I knew right away. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, but like you said, that doesn't mean it doesn't work. It's just not the right therapist for you. Right. Right. So find that person. They, they are out there. It's hard. It's hard. And in some places it's really hard, but there is help like just send the email to ask for help and it may take some time you have to do a little bit of advocating for yourself but there is help I promise there's help somewhere absolutely and you deserve help everybody yes everybody deserves to heal 
Mm-hmm. Um, so someone asked, how do you know if you have an eating disorder? To have the validation that you want and you need, you want to, you might feel best with having it diagnosed. So that's going and seeing a professional, um, like a therapist. I, in my office, I have a screening tool that I use for every single person that comes in. Um, it's, you could Google it really. It's called the S C O F F. It's a five question, um, yes or no thing. And if there's a yes answer on there, I think if you answer one, yes, it's saying, Hmm, you might have some eating and food issues here. So when that comes up, then there's a couple other assessments I use to really help us figure out what kind of food and eating issues are we dealing with here. But there's also, maybe you don't have access to a therapist or you don't have access to a way to be diagnosed. That doesn't mean that you don't have an eating disorder or you don't have some very slippery slope, you know, disordered eating stuff going on. So I think to help you, the National Eating Disorder, Nita, National Eating Disorder Awareness Association, they have a screening tool on their website you can check out. Um, but I think I would say for somebody who doesn't wanna go and get all those screening tools, also, if you have any anxiety around food, if you have any shame around eating, any guilt when eating, you're following a bunch of rules that make you feel really, um, constrained and like restrictive in your life, right? Like you're planning your life around food and exercise. You're really pushing yourself really hard and and shaming yourself for your weight. That's not normal. So you can go get help for that. You can go work on that. We're not supposed to feel guilty. So if there's any guilt or shame or anxiety with food or your body, go get help. Yeah. And you, and you said that's not normal, but it like has so become our norm, right? Like we see it. And and the more I learn about diet culture and the more aware I am of it, the more I notice it. It's in movies, it's in TV, it's in, it's literally everywhere. I recently was binge watching um, Jersey Shore (laughs) and (laughs) the family vacation, which I freaking love Jersey Shore, but I was like, man, Vinny really has some serious food issues. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I want to yes. help him. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he like keto Guido or something or <laughs> oh something like that? And the one girl's <laughs> like, like giving herself injections yeah. with hormones. And it's just like, it's yes. like really obsessive on the show. And I was like, man, I can't imagine how many people are like looking to him for mm-hmm. like advice or for, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like as a role model to, to, you know, and emulating what he's doing. And I'm just like, man, it's it's everywhere. I mean, it's, I'm a product, I'm an eighties baby. So like fitness, Jane Fonda, I mean, it just is so ingrained. And so it does feel very normal to have to follow diet rules and to have to, to shame ourselves when we eat a piece of cake, because, oh my God, we're not, we're not, everyone has been saying that cake is bad, you know, and, and, um, 
eat what makes you feel good. Eat what doesn't make you, it, don't eat what doesn't make you feel good. Just don't feel bad about it. Like who cares what you eat? Just don't, just don't feel anxious and guilty. You did nothing wrong. And that's like a practice, right? To like, to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know it can be like really easy to say like, oh, just don't feel that way. But like you have to practice doing those because there's things, so right? many reasons too why like if it's just diet culture and wanting to diet and 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 be healthy like okay we're that's behavior like human behavior is so fucking simple like we can change behavior these this guilt and the shame and this anxiety and eating disorders and disordered eating isn't about the food and it's not about the weight loss. It's about so much more. It's about these messages that we have for ourselves and about ourselves and the way that we treat ourselves and the, the, the way that we're managing our emotions, you know, the way that we're choosing to take care of ourselves. That's what it's about. It's not about the food and the weight loss. So do you find that people do hyper-focus on the food because they don't want to deal with all the other shit? For sure. 100%. Yes. 100%. Like personally, that was my thing. I had all this anxiety and vicarious trauma from working with trauma for so long. Like I was depressed and miserable. And so i obsessed about food and weight loss. And here's the thing, exercise does create endorphins. Like it does feel good. And so if you're so depressed and you found this, right, there's so many reasons why we keep going back to these diets or we keep going back to these, these weight loss plans. Um, It's not as simple as just eating or not eating something. There's a lot of mental and emotional junk that Food is a great distraction, I think, sometimes for people in many ways. We've all been there, right? Yes, we mm-hmm. have. We have. People self-medicate with food mm-hmm. quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether that's restricting or binge eating or purging, there's a whole lot of emotional and psychological stuff that comes up for us when we use those behaviors. Um, you know, so just, we got to find a lot of different ways to take care of ourselves that don't just involve food and exercise. Like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you Same mentioned message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you mentioned purging. Um, someone did actually ask, why don't we hear much about purging mm-hmm. disorder? Um, there isn't much information. Yeah. That's a great question. I, Anorexia, right? The restriction still continues to be the narrative that we talk about a lot in this field and um, giving people unconditional permission to eat. There's the other side of all of that, that there is binge eating and there are, there are eating disorders that have absolutely nothing to do with dieting and weight loss at all. There is um, a fear around eating and not because of my weight. Like there's like other avoidant restrictive stuff that's happening that has nothing to do with weight loss. Um, I think we don't hear about these things like purging disorder and ARFID because they're newer diagnoses for one. And it's hard to talk about 
eating disorders and disordered eating because it's very nuanced. You know, we, these behaviors are like a spectrum. They don't just exist in a box. And I think that the way we talk about them, we still try to keep them in a box. I hope this is making sense where I think we need to look more of these things as like you can binge eat and you can restrict and you can purge and not restrict or you can purge and not binge, you know, like there's, um, I think because it's still so nuanced and the second thing or third point, I don't know how many points I've made, um, is shame around it, purging disorder or purging behaviors that's still really stigmatized, I think. And to talk about it feels hard because there's still so much stigma around that. So for anyone who doesn't understand like what purging, like what does that mean? Like if you're struggling with purging? Vomiting, self-induced vomiting, um, taking a laxative or something to clear out calories consumed, right? So it's like consuming these calories and now I have to literally forcefully get these calories out of my body. Um, that could be exercising too, like extreme, extreme exercising to, again, I'm trying to compensate for the amount of calories that I consumed. Wow. Um, so pretty much what you're saying, like, so two people can have the same diagnosis, but those diagnoses, like how they experience that can look completely different. different completely different. It's going to look totally different for everybody. And I think that we borrow from all the different boxes when you're dealing with an eating disorder, disordered eating at all kind of, but we try, we, we have to label it for some reason, or we have to categorize it, I guess. And that's, that's part of the problem. I think why people are feeling like I can't talk about bulimia. I can't talk about purging because everybody's only talking about restriction or everybody's only talking about binge eating. Well, there's a lot else that happens in an eating disorder. It's not just about not eating the donut and it's not just about eating the donut. Like it's so nuanced. So nuanced. Um, And that was actually another question someone had was, can you talk about some of the um, lesser known eating disorders um, like orthorexia was what they mentioned? There's ARFID, which is Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. That's a newer one. We see it a lot in kids, but we're seeing it a lot now too in adults as it becomes more of a thing. But it's this very restrictive, very avoidant of foods um, to eat and a really hard time just maintaining, you know, your health because you're not getting nutritional needs met because food is just uninteresting. Um, food is scary, but again, it doesn't, excuse me, it doesn't have that weight loss or weight concern element to it at all. It's more about the fear. And I think that we see that with like Asperger's or autism, sensory processing disorders. We see that with like sometimes traumas. If there was a choking or a sickness sometimes, right? I don't want to eat food because I'm really afraid of getting sick um, or, you know, fear of food being contaminated, but again, has nothing to do with the weight loss stuff. There's also um, purging disorder, which is purging food. So bulimia is um, 
eating, like binge eating, consuming calories and then purging them, whether through vomiting or laxative or overexercise, it's the compensatory behaviors. Purging is kind of the, um, it's just the, it's just the purging, just the vomiting, just the laxative use, just the compensatory behaviors and not so much that, um, wanting to eat and consume the calories. And there is, there's like some other food issues. Like if, um, people eating or consuming non-food items, um, like baking soda or sometimes metal in your mouth. Um, and that's sometimes like a nutritional issue. There's also, um, night binge night syndrome, night feeding syndrome, where maybe you restrict throughout the day or you eat okay during the day. And then you find yourself waking up and eating at night and consuming, um, over consuming calories. What you feel like is binge eating. There is of course, binge eating, which is also a new one. That's also gaining a lot of, I mean, that's the most prevalent eating disorder. We have the most people struggling with binge eating. Um, and it is a diagnosable eating disorder. Uh, can we talk a little bit more about binge eating? Because I mm -hmm. feel like, like you said, that's kind of one that a lot of people are talking about. Yeah. And a lot of people use the verbiage binging Binge. um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, kind of confuse it with You're overeating. Right. But then again, like, who am I to like judge what they think is wrong with that? So it's just like, man, I really Binge, like struggle yeah. with that word. Me too. Me too. <laughs> People mm -hmm. use it really casually. I hear a lot. Like, yes. oh, I just binged on this Doritos last night, or like they use it very casually. I hear yeah. a lot. Yeah. And newsflash that's not a binge, that's just you eating. <laughs> it's just eating. Right. Congratulations, right. you're human. <laughs> um, binge eating is, I hate to use the word over, but I can't think of a better word. It is over consume it is eating past fullness you are overly full you are stuffed you know you're full you know you want to stop eating the desire to eat is gone and you know like when you're eating sometimes but sometimes you want to take a few more bites because it tastes so good right like mm -hmm. that's not happening anymore like everything is kind of saying we're full please stop eating but yet you want to keep eating you keep eating past a place that feels really comfortable. Um, and people want to try to put a, I don't want to put a calorie marker to that because that gets into, you know, rules and stuff. It's not about the number of calories. It really is like this shame. I'm hiding food. I'm eating in secret. I'm trying to follow all of these food rules. I'm trying to diet and like quote unquote eat the right thing or what's healthy for me, but then I'm finding myself again, eating past fullness and experiencing all the shame and guilt and physical discomfort because I ate so much food. Yeah, that, that was my experience with binge eating disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and it was something I did since I was a child. Yep eating. Um, I would stay up later than everyone else so that I could binge and eat and eat and eat. Um, and I would eat mm -hmm. until I was sick and then I would go to the bathroom and then I would binge more. And it was kind of this cycle. And then I would stop doing it for a little bit and I would cycle through it. And I did that my entire life, yeah. uh, up until, you know, I finally got help in my thirties. Um, mm -hmm. so like, 
knowing that now and just, yeah, hear how often, like Felicia said, how, how casually people use that word. Even my husband used it last night. And I was like, that is very offensive. Like, dude, like he just finished working yeah. out and he's like, I probably shouldn't even share the story, but whatever, I'll share it. <laughs> um, he just finished working out. He still struggles with a lot of diet culture sure. stuff. Um, and on his, yes, we all do. Men, women, <laughs> yes. people, humans, professionals, we, like, professionals. I messages <laughs> in my head sometimes too. Like that's yeah, there. yeah. 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 You know, and he just finished working out and he's like, oh, and I'm going to go binge. And he literally was just going to eat dinner. And I was like, I'd, I had to check him, yeah. but yeah. you know, and I still have to check myself too sometimes, but it is, mm-hmm. it is one of those words that is just like so casually used word. or someone's like, I like Felicia said, I just binged on Doritos and it's like, no, did you, you binge or did you just eat? Overeat a little bit. Ate. Yeah. Did you, you overeat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I, there's all, so I think <laughs> we forget that there are three types of hunger, physical, mental, and emotional hunger. And most of the time when I eat a meal all three hungers are satisfied. Good. I can move on. Right. I can eat what I'm eating. I'm satisfied. I don't have to think about it, but if I'm eating a meal and I'm done, but I'm still thinking about the chips in the cupboard, I'm not satisfied yet. I'm my body, my brain, my soul is still needing some food. So we eat it, but it can feel like an over, right? That's where we get into that language of binge eating because it's not this planned food. I'm eating past my plan. That's just you eating. That's you just taking care of yourself. Binging goes into that shame and guilt and anxiety. And I'm hurting, like it hurts to eat because I've eaten so much. I love that you said that eating past your plan. I see that so often where people mm-hmm. eat outside of their plan and then they like, it's like the world has ended. <laughs> they have, they are off the tracks. That's what they call it. Or yes. off the rails or off the rails. That's or, Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> you just eating, bro. like if you're still hungry, like yeah. eat some food. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I want to say to more people, come off the trail, like come off the track. That's a one way boring trip to there off the track. There's so much freedom. We can do whatever the fuck we want. There's we can cartwheel and run like I can go where and do whatever. Come off the track with us. Get off track. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, So someone else did ask, um, can someone have disordered eating without having an eating disorder? Absolutely. Yes. That's the short answer to that. Yes. And like, I mean, does, are, I guess a better question would be like, are the, is there anyone who doesn't have disordered eating? <laughs> because it kind of right? seems like we all right. have it, right? Right. Yes. Dis, we Disordered eating is just a pattern of dieting and, and following all of these food rules. Um, many, 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 most people do that. Um, but it doesn't mean it's a necessarily an eating disorder, but it's still disordered, right? Because all, because my eating disorder clients, they were doing the things that you're doing. So like, I hate, right? Like, where's that line? Why do we have to draw a line of, oh, well, you know, yeah, this behavior that you're doing is okay because everybody else in the world is doing it when it really is something that is killing people, you know, like it's, it's disordered eating is still disordered. It's not okay. Just because everybody's doing it. Right. And just because you don't have like a clinically diagnosed eating disorder, like 
taking the bre- the crumbs off of your English muffin to no, make them less points. Right. right. It's still a little, still a little fucked up. <laughs> exactly. Like that's what, that's what somebody who I've diagnosed with an eating disorder would be doing. So like, there's, where's the line? Where do, do you, you want to draw like that line? That's kind of how it can start for people. That slippery slope of like, it starts with like diet culture, kind of disordered eating. And then for a lot of people, that's what rolls them in to sometimes an eating mm-hmm. disorder. A diet is like the highest risk factor for developing an eating disorder. Certainly not the only, but dieting is the number one, the most, the highest, most risk. Like (laughs) I want to say the statistics are like 35% of people that diet develop a clinical eating disorder. Wow. Wow. You know, like, do you want to be, yeah, Yeah. do you want to be, I mean, think of all the people on Instagram that are on diets. Well, and those are just the people who are diagnosed, right? Right. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of people in denial. I get frustrated when people are like, well, is this disordered eating? What, What does it fucking matter? Like, where's that? I'm not drawing that line for you because drawing that line literally means people are dying. So like, can we do some prevention to avoid some of that? So just all together, just developing a healthier relationship Mm -hmm. with yourself and with the food you consume and not labeling kind of seems to be like really where you want to focus on. Right. Are you, you've got to eat enough to take care of yourself. Right. And so that's number one, most important. You've got to eat enough. Just live your life. You are here to do great, wonderful things. You are such an interesting, fabulous person. You have more to offer than your body. You have more to offer than the food that you're eating. You have more to offer than your health. Those things can be important, but know that you're also more than that. And like, I think I want to see us care more about that part of you because that part of you is really cool and a lot more interesting than the food that you're eating because it's just fucking food. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like the need to label, right. To see like what box you fall in or what category or whatever. It's like, we don't have to fucking label everything people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you're right. Just right. Just live your, I want you to just live your life. You have a lot to offer. Yeah. Um, so someone asked how, how should they go about talking to their partner about their food struggles if their partner doesn't also struggle with those things? Oh, good question. And it's conversations because there's a lot of unlearning to be done. So can you invite your partner in to learn with you? Will they read a book? Will they watch a YouTube video? I have a shit ton of videos on my YouTube channel on eating disorders that anybody could watch um, to learn about eating disorders. Uh, I actually have a course um, on the on our website for support, right? Like we, we teach them, like, what do you say? How do you respond? Here's how you can um, show up for this person. We have that available to you, but I think it starts with, Hey, I've got a struggle in my life. I want to let you in. Can we like, can I let you in? Can I talk to you about how I have some anxiety with food in my body? Maybe you write a letter to just 
kind of if it's if it feels really hard to say just write down what you wish you could say and share that with that person but then have conversations and bring them into learning with you yeah and there's so much amazing free information out there um Mm -hmm. You know, if that's where you want to start, if it's not something that's, you know, you don't have accessibility to something to pay for or whatever. Um, so definitely check out Dr. Steph's YouTube because it is amazing. I revisit your videos often. Thanks. <laughs> if you have a therapist or, you know, like that kind of mentor person in your life, just say, hey, can I bring in my support? Can you help me have this conversation? Um it's okay to talk to your loved one. People, people feel like you can't because it's a lot of stigma. So I want to say, are you afraid to talk to them because you're stigmatizing yourself and you're telling yourself that you don't deserve this kind of help? Like full stop right there, go ask for help. Cause that's just a lie you're telling yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's a great segue into this next question. Um, is there a such thing as not sick enough to seek help for an eating disorder or disordered eating? No, no. I have a course on the on my website, recovery-academy.com called Sick Enough. I get this question all the time. Am I sick enough to have an eating disorder? And I answer it very directly. But the bottom line is if you're asking that question, there's a problem. There's something going on. So I want to ask you to dig a little bit deeper (laughs) if you're asking that question. I don't think that exists. Yeah. If you're, yeah. So if you're, if you're thinking about it, you should probably reach out, reach out for help. Do I have a food or do, am I sick enough? Is this a thing? Do I have a problem? Get help. Like when you break, when you hurt your arm and break your arm, how long are you going to wait? Like, You know, like we don't wait to go to the doctor. We go and get our arm fixed. We're like, okay, there's a problem here. Like how many bones do you need? How many disordered behaviors? How much misery, anxiety, depression do you need to put yourself into because you're worrying about food in your body? Yeah. And I I think often with therapy too, whether it is for food issues or whatever it is, um, people wait until they're in crisis to assume Mm -hmm. that they need help. Um, but everyone, every single person and that and we've had other therapists on the show that have said the same exact thing, like every single person can benefit from just exploring Therapy. the things that you go through in your daily life. Even if you don't think it's a big deal or that you need the help, everybody can benefit from it. 100%. Everybody can benefit from it. It's amazing. Therapy is so amazing, but if it's not accessible to you, that was one reason why we created the recovery Academy. Cause it is a privilege for many, um, therapy is the, you know, therapy like butt on couch may be a little old. So are there other ways to help people just know that you deserve help? Just know that if you, I don't want you to feel bad about eating food, that's not normal. So if you feel bad about eating food, know that you can try to feel better. That's available to you. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your recovery academy? We actually do have a couple of people who listen to our show that joined your recovery I academy. I know. It's so cool. So it's it's an on-demand eating disorder recovery community. I literally teach people in the community every month a recovery topic, whether that's like body image or intuitive eating or managing anxiety. We don't get into like what to eat and what not to eat. I'm not a registered dietitian. It's more, how are you like 
learning to take care of yourself. How are you learning to change your life without changing your body? I teach you a new skill every month, but you also get like the community of people who um, get it. And we meet often and we ask questions and we talk about things and we share and we support each other. But if the community is not something that you're down for, those courses, there's tons of courses available and it's me teaching and sharing with you the same stuff I share with my clients um, and worksheets and journals um, at a really affordable, accessible price right on your computer. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Um, and we've I've heard really amazing feedback from Aww. people that have joined your academy and they're finding it very helpful. Um, so thank you for yes. joining us on the show again. Thank you. Um, yeah. I do have one last question here from our listeners. Um, this is a good one. Um, so someone wants to know how they can help their teenager who has ADD, who doesn't remember to eat. Oh, yes. That's a thing, right? Sometimes mental health issues cause appetite and food and eating issues. You still deserve to get help for that. Okay. Just anyway, um, very specific instruction, very direct like okay so maybe it's block scheduling things and making sure there are direct instruction and rules for taking those breaks mom's probably gonna have to be on the the kit because they're not good at remembering I have fghijk to do later today right they're only they get here's a and I get lost in a <laughs> I don't know what B, C, D, E, F is. So if the mom said, okay, here's everything you got to do for the day, they're going to forget all of that. So it's how do you come up with a system to remind that teenager one thing at a time, right? That you just got to do A, bam. And then when A is done, we're going to move on to B and putting meal time in that so that they can just focus on the meal. It might be, can they do something while they're eating something that's fun, something that's engaging, something that they might look forward to. So they are more incentivized to take that break. Um, are some thoughts that I have with that for the teen. Yeah. And I think that we get so wrapped up, um, in like weight gain and, and these eating disorders that cause mm-hmm. weight gain are people being obsessed with their bodies or the size, but, um, I've been caring for my nephew. He moved in with us over a year ago and Mm -hmm. he actually struggles with eating in a completely different way than I do um, Mm -hmm. and struggles with gaining weight and Mm -hmm. struggles with his body Mm -hmm. image um, in that way, like a a complete opposite, but it's still like still food issues, right? It's still something that he needs help to work through and um, to get Mm -hmm. through. And that was really eye opening for me as a caretaker, because I'm just like, wow, I've always been so wrapped up in the other side of this that there are people that, like you said, there's a whole spectrum of food issues, right? There is an anxiety and depression and mental health conditions cause appetite issues and food and eating issues too, you know? And so um, that's why I use that word care, care a lot. Like how am I teaching my, my teen with ADHD how to best care from the 
for herself or himself, right? Like how do I teach them that care means all these different things, including, you know, food, including taking breaks. Um, it's, but yeah, forgetting to eat is, is a very real thing. And it's a problem too, because you've got to be able to eat enough to take care of yourself and live that life you want to live. Yeah. And it's just as valid too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people that would like be annoyed (laughs) by that. Under eating. Yeah. I mean, under eating because of anxiety and depression can trigger an eating disorder. It only makes us more anxious. It only makes us more depressed to not have enough food is not a good thing. It fucks up our heart. It fucks up our hormones, fucks up our brain, fucks up our skin, fucks up our hair. Like not under, not getting enough is very much the problem. Yeah. It's the sole problem, I would argue. Because when wow. we're eating enough, we don't think we don't care. We don't <laughs> give a shit about we're just we're just we're full. We're satisfied. Yeah. I actually recently have just been talking about um how since I stopped dieting and using WW, how I've slowly been increasing my food and taking my calories. Um, and a lot of people like to label again with the labels, you know, the reverse diet, that's what people call it, right? First dieting. It's wild, like how little I was eating before. Eye opening. And yeah, and how, how much I eat now and how much freaking happier I am. Yes. Um, and how much it just all around just feels so much better all the time. Um, so I think we're that not that's meant a... to feel hangry. Like hangry yeah. is not a normal, like we're humans aren't meant to be in that state. Humans are meant to like this is maybe like toxic positivity, but we are meant to feel like good and at peace and at ease. And if we're fucking hungry and irritable and cranky and anxious <laughs> and depressed, time. we're not doing that. Like sometimes yeah. literally a snack helps everything eat people, please. <laughs> I can really make you eat. feel if you're anxious, try eating. It might help you really feel less anxious. Y'all can message me on that for real. Like I challenge you. If you're anxious, go have a snack and come back and tell me how it felt for you. Yeah. <laughs> and that snack can be anything, right? Anything. Oreos. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I might go eat some Oreos after this. Right. I think <laughs> I need a snack too. <laughs> time. I still want bacon. I know. Yeah. You're you're talking about making bacon this morning and now I have to go do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Any other, just anything else you want to tell the people about food shit? We're not meant to live in food shit, right? So if you have any food shit at all, out of a scale of one to 10, if there's a one (laughs) food shit, know that you don't have to live with food shit. There's a lot of help out there. You can ask for help. And if you don't think that you can, or if you're not really sure, or you don't think it's that big of a deal, check out recovery-academy.com and just get information. Just see how you can let go of some of your food shit. How can you better manage your anxiety? How can you be kinder to your body so that with the summer coming up, maybe we can like, be in a two piece and not care as much, right? Like that's you. I want to see more people just live their lives more freely. So I invite you to check that out and, or message me and we'll see how we can help you get there. And leading into summer, please mm. just wear it, put it on, <laughs> just 
Yes. Oh, it always breaks my heart how frequently uh, women like shorts, right? How hard is it for so many women to just put on a pair of shorts? It's mm. hot out, y'all. Okay. It's hot. I'm tired of seeing hot. you guys outside in 100 degrees in jeans. Just put on. Oh, my God. It's so depressing. The fucking it's so depressing. <laughs> and we could probably do a whole other hour conversation on this, like the pandemic. And we've all been a pandemic for a year. So we're all coming out of this. Wear the shorts. Wear the dress. Wear the two piece. Like we've been in a pandemic for a year. Just live your life. Yes. Hopefully this last be year has put that into perspective, right? Like be comfortable. Life is yes. short. Yes. Life is short. Live it. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Oh, Dr. Steph, it was a so pleasure great. again. Yes. As always, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure again yes. this episode will help so many people mm-hmm. just live their life, hopefully. Yes, just live your life. Food <laughs> awesome. So great yes. to talk to. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll see you bitches next Monday. Bye.